Well, I was telling Jody's in Minnesota. You know, her father is uh, is getting older, and she really wanted to spend um, you know more time with him. And Minnesota is a perfect time during the summer. So her and Rebecca and uh, Tori Jensen went with her, and um, and some, another family that was going down there too. The car pulled together, and you know, it's she was. I was talking to her last night, and. I was just telling her how burdened I sometimes feel about our culture. Don't you? You know, I, I look at our culture and I, I, I see such parallels between now and in the past. Uh, you know, the ancient times and the letters that were written. I sometimes wonder, you know, how ready the, um, the church is. Because we have a message to the church of doctrine and, and growing in the faith. And then we have a message to the world which is that God accepts you where you are. But that doesn't mean that he approves of everything that you do. How many say amen? amen? And that is such a difficult message. Because on one side, people, I think through the power of the enemy, identify with what they do and how they live. That becomes them. Um, partly is because when you come to Christ, you start to get an identity which is in Jesus. It's not a religious one. There are people who have religious identities, um, but I don't believe that that is from God. I believe that the identity comes with God himself, not the figure or the organization of that um, faith. Um, it's Christ alone, and I need another amen on that. Amen. That, that just has to be understood. And it's a, it's a difficult balancing act. And on one, if I just may drop a couple names, not to pick on anybody because there's nothing to pick on. But, you know, on, on one hand, we have like Joel Olstein, who really wants to be a positive influence and encouragement and build uplifting messages, which I admire. And I, I and they he wants to connect with the culture and he doesn't want to give it's not that he doesn't want to bring negative news, but he doesn't want to bring it in such a sense as to discourage the nonbeliever from coming. And uh, some people believe he, you know, goes too far. Sometimes I think he goes too far in those things as well. And then on the other hand, you have the preaching of, you know, we just need to preach everything just straight as it can be. And what that person means is, let's find the toughest scriptures, you know, that beat the poo-poos out of people, right? And... Let's not take the context of the cross. Let's just say God doesn't like this behavior, so just stop it. You know, and then some, some of you have seen that Bob Newhart, um, where Bob Newhart, the very, very, very funny comedian, um, is, has a little skit that he, that he does that you can find it on YouTube where he plays the psychiatrist and people come in and they tell him his problems and then... He, he says, okay, I have a couple words of advice for you. Are you ready? And they go, yeah, are you sure you're ready? He goes, they go, yeah, I'm ready. And he goes, just stop it. <laughs> right? And I think, you know, that's the most, the easiest advice, just stop it. And his first Corinthians says, says, no one knows the heart of a man except for the man. And it says, and so how can we search the heart of God, that same scripture says, and it says, by the spirit of the, of God, we search God. We search our own heart through the spirit or soul that we have, and then the spirit within God searches the deep things of God. And by His Spirit, we can search those deep things. So the most important thing for us to have is the Spirit. 
And the spirit in religion comes by the will in religious circles. If you just cooperate with God and you get, you just start cooperating with the spirit. And there are scriptures that talk about keeping in step with the spirit and walking with God. But the ultimate only way that you really get the spirit is by the cross of Christ. The cross removes the wrath. Galatians says it so simply. It says, did you receive the spirit by what you did or by what you believed? Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. After beginning with the spirit through faith, are you now turning to human effort? And then Paul says to them, did I come to you in vain? How stupid are you? And that's exactly what he says. How foolish you are. And going back to the Joel Osteen argument on one side where we will, gosh, we want to be friendly to the culture and we want to let them know that no matter where you are, God loves and accepts you. But on the other hand, that does not mean that God loves everything you do. And we've gotten such a place in our culture where if I don't accept everything you do in every way that you behave, that I'm somehow a bigoted or prejudiced. And someone will say to me, well, what about this sexuality? Or what about this drug use? And what about this? And what's right and what's wrong? And how do we navigate through this? And they go, well, you just think that you and your marriage, you know, uh, is just the sacred thing before God. And I, and I thought to myself, you've never seen Jody and Mai's marriage. We have a lot of things that are abomination to God. <laughs> how, I'm going to admit this. You're married and you still got problems right? Do you think that God just looks at my marriage outside of Christ and doesn't go, Eric, man, you are way off, man, right? That is just the way it is. My marriage, my own godly marriage, pastoral ministry falls short of the perfection of God. How much more so had I not known God or not know God at all? How far would it be? And I think this led me, and I'm, I'm kind of just leading into a little bit where I'm going, but I also want to, I really want to deal with this, and I want to do a sermon series, and I really feel like God is pushing me in this direction, is a sermon on tough topics. I've done one before, and I'm, I'm going to do one again, and it's going to be on science. It's going to be on a lot of the controversial topics of the day. How many like this idea, by the way? It's going to be on science. It's going to be on sexuality. It's going to be on controversial things like aliens. I'm serious. I, I really think we need a couple messages on the concept of aliens. Don't we? I just think so. Because people do not, people think, I read this article the other day where it said, there might be aliens out there. This gets rid of all religion. And I thought, really? Really it does? That's what you think? And I thought, I thought, boy, I got to tackle this subject. And, and you know, and angels and demons and one other one, you know, that my son and a few other friends, you know, came up with is that's the concept of patriotism. How should we be patriotic? How many think patriot, patriotism is important? You know, and, and on one hand, you could be overly patriotic and say, I don't care about any other country. Let's just bomb them all. God doesn't care about them. He only cares about Americans. 
And on the other hand, we have our, which I don't agree with, obviously, but maybe I should have said that. (laughs) And then on the other hand, you know, you have, you know, if people, you know, who think that, you know, who cares if we're American? Who cares about anything? Who cares about our nation? And how, how many think that God would want us to be patriotic in a biblical right way? And so this is, these are important. And I also think, um, so there's a couple other topics there of uh, life um, itself. So I just wanted to give you a heads up because that's uh, one of the directions of the sermon series um, after this one. I don't know if it'll be the direct one after that, but pretty soon. All right. Father, I thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, as we talk about the wisdom of the ages, Lord, and you turn upside down, Lord, uh, this concept of wisdom. I pray, Lord, that you'd give me the right words to speak, Lord. Uh, and, Lord, as I'm going through First and Second Corinthians, I know that Paul is making such a strong argument here about wisdom and what it means. And, Lord, I pray that um, you'd open blind eyes so that this almost... Um, tedious thing um, is so practical and so life-giving. Would you please give it the life that it deserves, Lord? I pray for your grace upon it in Jesus' name. Can I hear amen? Amen. 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 So, um, by the way, uh, Rome, if you don't know this, uh, you know, destroyed old Corinth, which was a Greek city, and Greek, uh, Greece was in power, uh, through Alexander the Great and his reign, almost a world empire. Some would consider it a world empire, but there were places outside the reaches of Greece. And then Rome took over a, a well. Some remember the entrance of Mark Anthony and Caesar Augustus, and then eventually the, the census, which led to Christ going back to Bethlehem from Nazareth to be counted in the census and then, of course, brought back to Nazareth um, to where he would grow up. Um, that was in 146 B.C. when Rome and Old Corinth was destroyed by Rome. Rome came in and basically brought destruction to Corinth. And um, then it was rebuilt in 44 B.C. by uh, Julius Caesar. And Paul arrived in Corinth. So we got 146, you know, then at 44 B.C., and then, you know, the time of Christ, and then now you're at 4950 A.D. That's about the time um, that they are entering into Rome. I mean, into a, Paul is entering into Corinth. Um, Corinth in southern Greece, um, if you see it right there by uh, Achaia, um, Corinth there, there's a little um, isthmus, like a, a isthmus of Panama, kind of like where we have the canals between North and South America. They have the same one. So it's a really strategic route. There's two major harbors in Corinth. It's like a big seaport. Um, it's a very large, impactful place at the time. Um, you could see there, it's about 50 miles there between Corinth and Athens. And, and there's a bridge there, and I think I have it here. Yeah, but between uh, the Isthmus of Corinth and right there as it's taking you to the Gulf, down to the Saronic Gulf, um, you, this is a really strategic way. They would take these small ships, and they'd kind of run them on the land to take the stuff from the big ships and sort of move them across. And it was a very strategic place where you had to have trade and commerce. And in those days, of course, even in now nowadays, we have battleships near main places that America has interest in. 
so that we keep those waterways our own. People see those kind our our battleships and they you know they see our carriers and they think okay well we're not going to mess with America we'll let trade and commerce go through because there's probably some Middle East countries that would say ah don't let them have anything and it's the same in those days this is a pretty um, important area and you could see their ancient Corinth and this is maybe the the main heart of the city. And it, it also has um, uh, the temple. It's a, because sailors and soldiers would come in and out of that place, um, it was a place of great prostitution, um, male and female prostitution. Um, you can see um, this is uh, the temple of Aphrodite, which had over uh, 2,000 prostitutes. So just to give you an idea of the city, and that's just one, one location, one, one brothel. There and there was a big class division. Remember, when Paul's empowering women at all, and Jesus is empowering women, women were very, very low rate um, in that culture, and um, and age even more so. You know, kids' rights and all those stuff were were not really prevalent. They were almost as a slave class, and it was very uh, financially driven. So I am I am going to read here. Um, the beginning of 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians, chapters 1 and 2. I'm just going to start off the beginning, and then I'm going to go right into my text here. Now, imagine Paul going to this place, which is pretty licentious. That means there's not really a moral code. And think about it. Outside of the Old Testament and the New Testament, where do you derive a moral code? Like, what's wrong? What's right? And, And we live in America, so we have a constitution, and, you know, you know, we have you know, laws that we've built through, you know, through a a gathering of constituency, but it's built around foundations of things that were put into the fabric of our nation. And a lot of those things were built on scripture. And I'm not saying all the founding fathers were these virtuous, perfect people, um, because if you've read about them, you know that they're not. You know, they had virtues and they had deep things just like you do, but they also had weakness and flaws. How many say amen? That's the way, the way it is. But because this place, not exactly like Draper, I wouldn't say, or Sandy in our areas, but similar. We have a different ways to access that. We can access things through the internet. You know, there's, a, there's an open caveat there, open doors for us to go to if we want to. Paul is coming to this culture, and he's going to take away their trust in the human wisdom element. And so this is where things are going to get kind of turned upside down. Now, the last sermon that I did, I talked about wisdom, and I elevated the wisdom of God. And you could say, this is what wisdom looks like. And if you're wise, you know, you start doing these things. And the wise man does this, but the fool does that. And you could almost get tricked into thinking you could be saved just by being wise enough. You know, maybe if I just do all the wise things, I'll prosper. You know, but if I don't do the wise things, then I won't prosper. But understand, when you're separated from God, you won't prosper. Do you believe that? When, when you're separated of God, when you're an enemy of God, you're not going to prosper. What reconciles you, and I'm telling you, it's the cross, and Paul's going to tell you the same thing. Can everyone just say the cross? The cross isn't just the starting point. It's the whole enchilada. It's the beginning and it's the end. 
You don't start with the cross and then turn to human wisdom and try to get smarter by reading and all that stuff. And then, oh yeah, I go back to the cross before you die. No, the cross is the access to God, which gets you the wisdom that you're striving for because your flesh won't want it. Do you realize that? How many know a lot of smart things that you still don't do, right? You know what they are, but you don't do them. And so let me just read through here, and then I'm, and this, these aren't the scriptures I'm going to be going through, but um, they're, they're set up a foundation. Paul, this is 1 Corinthians 1, it's not up there. Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, think about this city. Think about its licentiousness. And think of the graciousness that Paul's saying here. Grace to you. Peace to you. Because he's about to say, and by the way, there's a relationship with the son and his mom, and there's a, and the, he's going to start taking these incredible the things that they're doing, which we can relate to in our culture, that all of a sudden, we're, he's attacking these things. But look how he starts. Grace and peace to you. And then he says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you. Did you get that? Can everyone say no divisions? But that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius. So no one can say that you were baptized in my name. Now, we're going to begin here. Let's start with number one. Okay, number one, God's wisdom can be, say it with me, upside down. One more time. Upside down. Uh, upside down. It's upside down here. And then watch how he says here. He says, Christ didn't send me to baptize. Pa- Paul's kind of clarifying his call. I'm an apostle. I'm an evangelist. You're, you don't need to see me up here doing the baptisms with people. I'm supposed to be with the people. I'm supposed to share the gospel. I'm going to be the preacher of Christ. Okay? And you could tell he, wasn't, he didn't stay there in Corinth with them the whole time. Hey, guys, I'm staying in. He was out there trying to make a difference. He says, he didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel or the good news. And not with clever speech. Now, I want you to get this because there's all kinds of evangelism courses, and I've taught ones, where you want to make sure you have the right arguments. And a good argument is good. But he's saying here, it wasn't with clever speech for fear that the cross of Christ would lose its power. Do you know that if you want to see your family saved, if you want to see your neighbor saved, that the message that will reach them is the cross of Christ. It's where the power is. It's what the gospel empowers. I know we went on express to them, we love you and God loves you. And those are all important things. But the cross of Christ is the power of the message. Do you agree? And, And this is so hard to understand because 
people would witness so much more if they would just preach Christ and him crucified. That Jesus Christ died on the cross for you to relieve you of the sin, to take away the debt, and to allow them to experience that. Well, let me tell you, your, your book doesn't really work with our book, and I've got to tell you this, and the history, and the accuracy, and the archaeology, and all that stuff, and I understand that, but, but understand that that person who is believing these other things, at the root of their issue, is that they don't understand the cross. So it's something they're earning. I see it in the church. People say, yeah, thank you for the cross. Jesus died, but now I've got to make my salvation work. And how are you going to do that? By the Spirit? No, 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 with my will. With what else? With my soul. With what? With my flesh. Really? You're going to put your confidence in those three things? Well, no, not that. But the way that my flesh follows God. Now, that makes a lot of sense. You, you want to put your hope in your soul following God, or you want to put your hope in God? How many say God? Listen, it's a risk you're taking if, if you don't do it that way, because the risk is that you're the religious person just like everybody else. You have your hope in your flesh. You have your hope in yourself. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. So what is the message of the cross when you're preaching to someone like? When you're preaching to them, what is the message like? Anybody? Is it foolish? Isn't that what it says? It's foolish. So it's not like you're going to go, let me tell you the message of the cross. And they go, man, you know, that makes so much sense. I'm totally going to get rid of all my religion and all my efforts and everything that I've hoped for and build in my business, and I'm just going to follow Jesus. How many have ever heard that after you've witnessed? Right? It's just like, let me tell you about the message of the cross. The message of the cross, I have seen it. I have shared Christ with some maybe in this room that they've come to Christ just by the simple message because that message divides bone and marrow. That message goes to the root. Look, look what he's saying. It's foolish to those who are headed for destruction. When you're, you're heading for destruction, it's foolishness. It says, but we who are being saved, we know. Just say, we know. We know it is the very power of God. It is the power that is transforming us. The same power that raises up Christ raises us, raises us up. It gives us the power. And he says, as the scripture says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the intelligence of the intelligence I will frustrate. God's going, I'm going to take this message, which to the naked eye makes no sense. It's the message of the cross. Some guy named Jesus came in and he died for our sins and some brutal death. And that why would someone get some bloody thing going on? It's all going to be a distraction. It seems stupid. And it's frustrating to the wisdom of the world. We just get wisdom, and that's how we prosper, and that's how we grow a little bit more wisdom and get wise. And God's saying, I'm going to destroy the wisdom of the wise. I'm going to take the intelligence of the intelligence, and I'm going to frustrate them. Hey, we're making a new, new, you know, a new uh, linear accelerator. We're going to find the boson you know, element. You know, we're going to build it twice as long. We're going to throw these atoms at each, each other and these electrons. We're going to see what happens. And we're going to create a new universe. 
Oh yeah? Well, Jesus Christ crucified. Duh. Sounds dumb. That's what it is. So he says, where does this lead the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? You know, and if you have the NIV, it says, where is the scholar? Where is the wise man? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Do, do you understand that one day we will stand before the living God and the cross is your only hope? That's it. That's it. It won't be your church attendance. It won't be because your family tithed and, you know, all that stuff. All that stuff is good, but it's not the core. It's the cross. It's the only thing that empowers you to be rescued. And the power that is a result of this, because remember, the father didn't die on the cross. The father sent the son. And the son secured the salvation. And he secured that the redemption would come by the Spirit based on his payment. And the Spirit is what works in you in the name of Jesus, in the name of the promise of the Father, which is performing redemption in your very soul. You are born of a new seed. And he is working in you with great vigor to sanctify and clean you. But the sanctification doesn't save you. The work of Christ saves you. How many say amen? And it says, God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish since God in his wisdom saw to it. Listen, listen what he saw to it. This is God's perspective. He saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom. There was no man that was just going to look up and go, I figured it out. It's Jesus the Christ. It happens through the redemptive work of God himself. He says that the world would never know him through human wisdom. He has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. How many want to be a preacher of the good news of Jesus Christ? Come on, raise your hand high. Do you want to, seriously? Because I, I, I don't want you to preach to people, man, God got me a new car, man. God got me a new job. God got me, God got me this girl, man. It's awesome. And God totally worked it out that I got this new bike that was at the park. (laughs) Well, thanks for that. But why don't you preach the gospel? Amen? Because it is the wisdom of God. Okay. It is foolish to the Jews. Understand why? Because they want signs from heaven. He's saying the Jews, not every Jew, but he says the Jews as a people, they they want signs. Show us a sign that God's here. Show us a sign. I gave you a sign. Noah, what other ones do you want? You know, Jesus said to them, you know, with Lazarus, the tip of tongue, send him a sign. And we already did. And he says, and it's foolish to the Greeks. Why? Because they want human wisdom. They want, show us, the, show us the logic, show us how it works, how it goes. And, and Logos, who is Jesus, is the idea, the word, the wisdom. And it says, but we preach Christ crucified. When we preach Christ crucified, the Jews are offended, and the Gentiles say, it's baloney. Right? So we better preach something else then, right? Or should we stay, stick with the gospel message? How many say we stick with it? Listen, here's just a parallel with uh, Galatians 6.14. 
Far be it for me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Watch how he finishes with Corinthians. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, listen, they're going to think it's foolish. They're going to think that it's nonsense. They're going to look for a sign, and that's what they want. They're going to look for human wisdom to get them to God. God says, I'm not going to allow you an access through human wisdom to get to me. And he says, but to those whom God has called. Can everyone just say called? Called. Called. Those that he's called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Jesus Christ is the power of God for us. Amen? Amen? And he is what else? The wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than the human wisdom. And the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. How many think this is turning wisdom upside down? It just is. Okay? Now, God's wisdom can favor the foolish and the weak. Now, look what he says. He says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. I love this. People go, man, you see that athlete? Man, if he comes to Christ. Man, if LeBron James comes to Christ or Kobe, man, just what's going to happen? They'll have such a strong testimony. Really? It's not going to be about them. It's not going to go. You, you really think if, if some famous basketball player like Kobe Bryant or whatever comes before God one day that he's going to go, wow, Lakers, five championships. Do you think he's going to go, I mean, Bill Russell has come to Christ, but do you think he's going to go to Bill Russell if he didn't and say, wow, 11 rings. Put the rings on the table. And the Lord and the angels will go, wow, look at the gold rings. Look at the World Cup and it's big. Look at that. Do you think God's going to go, come on in? Well, if he's not going to acknowledge that, do you think he's going to look at your works and go, impressive? The way you washed the dishes was amazing. <laughs> all creation bows to you. All wisdom and power and glory. Do, do, do you recognize when you get to Revelation that everyone's on their face before God? Everyone? You, you know, people are offended in this culture if we don't acknowledge that they are good. We have to acknowledge whatever you do and whoever you are, I accept you because I declare that everything that you do is good. Well, and I tell you, as the preacher, I look at my own life and I can't say that. And I, I, I know lots of you in here. I can't say that about you. I'm sorry. And I understand whenever I preach things like this, I lose 15 to 20% of our church every single time. It's just the way it is. And I know it ahead of time but it's going to be said anyway. Because the only way that you can understand is is Christ's righteousness. Brothers and sisters, God's wisdom can favor the foolish and the weak. Here it is. He, He continues. This message is continue. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Go back to that Corinth place. 
that was decimated by Rome, rebuilt by Caesar, and now inhabited by a prostitution, and not just prostitution as if it's worse than your pride, but a a place that is definitely a licentious place in the open, two major ports on a great waterway where all the trade and commerce comes in. And he says, not many of you were that smart even by human standards. Not many were that influential. It's like he's looking out, imagine them reading it to the people, and they're going, yeah, I know. You're not that influential. And if you've ever tried to become influential, it's a futile effort, isn't it? Because no matter how much influence you get, the pie is just so much bigger than you. And he says, and not many were of noble birth, like we don't have any kings. You know, it's like, guess what? I was related to, what's his name? You know, the president, his gardener's cousin's friend's dentist was my pal. You know, really? Wow. You know, I get that all the time. Did you, oh, you're a pastor? Yeah, my friend's cousin's, you know, brother's, you know, dog trainer, you know, knew a guy, you know, who was a priest at one point. <laughs> my response is, you still need to be saved. But thank you for that. I, I met this one guy, and, and, and I was t- t- telling him about the message of Christ, and his girlfriend turned to me and Jody, and she goes, you don't realize how spiritual he is, to her, to her boyfriend. And, and then she walked out there, and she opened this drawer, and he had like 30 Bibles. But he didn't know the Lord. And, and, it was, and it was kind of, I was thinking to myself, I don't care if you got 100 Bibles. There's no amount of Bibles that saves you. The, the Bible's not on the cross. Jesus, the Bible tells us about Jesus being on the cross. And he died for us. Amen? Amen. Not, God chose, and this is, and I know you know this scripture, but it's in, important. God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Okay? God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not. You know, have you ever been a not? You're just not. That is what God chose. He says, why? To nullify, to take away whatever power that the things that are. And what's the reason? And this is, I've shared this in lots of different formats, not so much in this one. It's been quite a while. It says, so that no one may boast before him. How many want the wisdom of God? The wisdom of God is found in Jesus Christ alone. Your growth, your salvation, your restoration, your redemption. And listen, you want to know why you're in Christ Jesus? Verse 30, it is because of what? It is because of him. Not that you heard about Jesus. It doesn't say that. It said it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom of God. That is, he is our righteousness, our holiness, our redemption. How many are getting something out of this? God's wisdom is found in Jesus Christ. He continues in chapter 2, right after this. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters. Same with me. When I came to you, I didn't come with eloquence, with human wisdom, as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. 
Let me, let me tell you about, let me tell you the testimony about God. Now I want to hear your testimony. They were saved by the, you know, the, their, 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 the, his blood and the word of their testimony. Their testimony is their testimony about God. And he says, I resolve to know, can everyone just say nothing? Nothing. I resolve to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but were a demonstration of the Spirit's power. When their eyes opened and they saw the gospel, this isn't just he did signs and wonders. This is the power of the gospel which came by faith so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. I do not know how to help you here. I am trying my honest best. Because I realize after I preach this message, probably 90% of you guys are going to go home, and I don't say this condescending, but are just going to turn back to your human wisdom. Your faith, it's so important, can't rest on your human wisdom. It has to rest on an invisible power and understand all the things that are going to last are invisible. They're unseen. This power of the cross is your holiness and redemption and your power. It's not your human wisdom. Your faith can't rely on it. It will disappoint you every time. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. Can you say with me, no? We declare God's wisdom. Do you want me to preach the good news? Do you want me to preach the Bible? Do you want me to? Honestly? No. No, we declare God's wisdom. Amen? Amen? A mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time even started. You sure you want me to preach this? Because it goes against everything in churchianity that you hear every single day. Okay? And if you're loyal to it, rather than the word, then I'm going to sound strange. But it's not strange. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age has understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written... What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Amen? Who are called according, can everyone say called? Who are called according to his purpose. His purpose. 
Since before time began, this is the scripture by, he says, so it is written. Where is it written? It's written in Isaiah 64, 4. This is where I'm going to close. Since before time began, no one has ever imagined, no ear heard, no eye seen, a God like you who works. Can you say works? Say it one more time and say who works. Just say God works. God works for those who are waiting for him. They're waiting for him. Why don't you close your eyes? I want to give you a chance to turn to the wisdom of God. Father, I thank you for your mercies. First of all, I want to give you a chance to say, man, I can't rely on my human wisdom. I can't rely on my eloquence. I can't just rely on my human discernment, but I need the spirit of God. I need God. I need God. And God comes to me through the cross. So just say, I need the cross. Just say it with me. Say, I need the cross. Just say it to God. Say, God, thank you for the cross. I need it. Just in your own words, would you thank him for the cross? Lord, thank you for the cross. Thank you that it's the wisdom of God. It's the power of God. It's the revelation of God. And let me just tell you, do you understand that every, almost every single book in the New Testament starts off this way and concludes this way? Every book. It's amazing. And maybe you've never put your faith in Christ before. I mean, to give you a chance to turn to Jesus. You've turned to other things. You've turned to your religion. You've turned into a general, I know there's a God out there. I'm telling you that there's a specific gospel message, and that's Jesus Christ crucified. He died in your place that you can live. He paid for your sins so that you will be forgiven. He inhabits you and wants to inhabit you through that redemption so that he can make you whole. And one day you will become like him as you see him. If that's you, if you, that's something that you desire and you're saying, I need Jesus. If that's you, would you just raise your hand up high? Just say, pastor, that's me. Amen. 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 Father, I thank you, Lord, for these. Lord, I pray that you would draw them near. I just speak to you and I say, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. Put your hope. I know everyone around you, even the religious, are pointing you to religious things. But I'm telling you, put your hope in the cross. His redemption is for sure. It's the thing that you can count on. It is the power that changes you from beginning to end. The faith that you experience is from God. And he's intertwining it into your life, into your soul. It says, believe. The word, it's near you. It's right there. It's in your heart. Now proclaim it. Jesus Christ. And say it with me all across this room. Just say, Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. He is the Lord. He is the Savior. He is the Redeemer.